0: Good afternoon again. Just um, glad to be back. Short break away, uh, long bus journey, and flight back. So I'm a bit um, um, lagged at the moment, but thank God for uh, the opportunity to be here and um, to share from God's Word. It's a, real, it's a real, real special privilege, and I'm grateful to God for it. Um, as we get into the Word of God today, um, yeah, as you can, as you can tell, I've just been struggling with a bit of technical difficulties here. I'm not the um, the kind of technical expert like Pastor Rob is. <laughs> but all the same, you know, we can we can actually um, see and witness and experience the power of God's word. Um, I'm praying that even with the visuals I was trying to share absent, that, um, yeah, this will... This will be no less powerful as God's word indeed is. Um, So let me go straight into uh, what we're looking at today by asking a question. What makes you right with God? What makes us right with God? I mean, and what confidence do you and I have of our position or our right standing with God? What really counts towards this? And why do we need to hold on to being right with God? What makes, what's so important about that? Or in summary, what makes for a valuable and worthy Christian testimony? You know, for the mere... um, If you're just visiting with us, I mean, if God is not a concern for you at all, it's worth listening in as we um, take stock and search for testimonies worth holding on to amongst those who say that they believe in God. I hope you find that God may be even closer to you than you thought um, you were further away from him. Um. And then, of course, I think the passage that we're looking at today um, is also will also help us uh, look at these questions. And it's timely, I think it is timely, because um, you know in recent times and over the I mean, I, I would say from about this time last year, as so I begin to, as I stand here and anyone who stands here, as you look across and look round, you know, there's. I see more people join us in fellowship here in whatever capacity, whether you're visiting, whether you're um, looking for somewhere to to call your your church and become a part of the church. Um, And I think this is a timely passage for us to be considering at this time because um, um, again, for the rest of us, we're all here seeking to find ourselves in Jesus Christ, knowing his power, knowing his work in and through us in this area. I mean, as far as standing right with God is concerned. or just listening in on the announcements and hearing testimonies of people whose lives are affected by God, whose lives are affected by the prayers of others, um, who are actually trusting God to work miraculous healing whether or not God goes ahead and does that, but he holds that hope out to us, even in Jesus Christ. So, um, as we also, I mean, talking about those who have not probably met, or even as we, as Pastor Rob said, and, we, you know, and we, he said, you know, greet someone you haven't spoken to or you've not met and all that. But as we initially meet one another in those kinds of encounters, we may not immediately ask such questions as I've asked. You know, what makes you right with God? Uh, what confidence do you have of this? What really counts towards this? And why do we need to even hold on to a testimony at all? But um, perhaps at some point, hopefully in a membership meeting, if you decide you wanna, okay, be a part of this local church, um, we cannot assume the answers to these questions So we gladly welcome all to fellowship here with us. Um, And you find us encouraging you both to hold on to and to guard and to also share It's all fairy tales anyway. Why are you holding on to those cock and bull stories about some man from so many years ago, from this old book, old storybook, with this guy who we never see around anyway? But we encourage you to hold on to those things because they will count for eternity, not just for now. So let's read together... And then pray, and then we'll share and see how we must guard and hold on to a truly valuable testimony that counts for eternity with God in Christ. We're reading today um, in Philippians chapter 3, we're reading from verses 1 through to 11. Philippians 3 and verses 1 through 11. Not sure if I can still get this to work at some point. If it does, I'll just pass it on to you. Come on. Turn the Wi-Fi. Nope, that's not working. Okay. Okay, so we read from um, Philippians 3, 1 through to 11. I'm reading from the, uh, okay, same version, ESV. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is word that you have inspired. Um, Even at the time this letter was written, at the time this was shared to the church and sent to them in Philippi, They faced many troubles, they faced many challenges, they faced those who came to detract from the simple gospel, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's no different for us today, Lord. There's all kinds of movements, there's all kinds of challenges, there's all kinds of charges and encouragements to have some kind of a Jesus plus faith or gospel or belief, Lord, Help us as we go through this part of the letter today. Help us to see how these things apply to us today. Help us to see the truths of this um, account, of this letter. Help us to see and bring those things from that they experience from then, even as they are relevant to us now. And Lord, show us even how indeed to um, nurture to God, to hold on to a true confession of faith in Jesus Christ. I pray also for those who may not know Jesus Christ, for those who church may just be a religious activity. It may just be a mere attendance because, yes, mom brings me along or dad brings me along. Lord, even as we look at these things today, we pray Help us, Lord God, to see that we each can have a relationship with you. We each can have eternal hope and eternal life in you. Lord, so lead us and um, help me to do this as we go through your word this afternoon. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's come to the text together. Um, I'm mindful that uh, we... Scheduled to have a members meeting this afternoon. And for everyone, anyone who's considering and thinking about, you know, placing fellowship here and being a part of the church, um, I want to extend an invitation to you. Just uh, uh, um, have a chat with me afterwards and see, and you can make inquiries about what it is to be a member here at Ecclesia. But let's go straight to the text as I invite you to turn with me to um, the first verse in the section we read, Philippians chapter three. Um, Paul has packed quite a lot into this letter and we're looking at a very busy section. So let me ask you to pay close attention as we go through it in three, maybe four parts. Um, we'll look at the believer's joy and some things that we, that we must guard it from. We'll look at... Uh, Taking proper account, even of what we may have confidence in, what we think we may have confidence in regarding our walk with God. And um, in two parts, we look at that as okay, things I thought counted or things I thought mattered, but now taking correct and proper stock of what really matters and what that means for us with regard to our walk. And our eternal hope in Christ. My prayer is that again, our fellowship here will not be in vain. We could be doing other things today. But here we are, sat in this room at one Cornmill Lane, um, rather than playing golf or sitting in a pub. I don't know what sporting activity is going on right now. Is there a World Cup going on? Tennis? Tennis? Oh, it could be at Wimbledon, you know, strawberry and cream in the sun. But hey, we choose to be here. I don't think it is in vain. I don't think you're doing it just for empty reason or trying to please somebody. Maybe please your boyfriend or please your girlfriend or please mom and dad. I don't think you're doing it for any of those reasons. But look at the first thing Paul says here and let's as we go into Um, what he's saying here. So, Paul, um, talking about the believer's joy, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Um, I mean, I know he says finally there like lots of preachers do, but... (laughs) But what he's really saying is referring to what still remains for him to say. And he says, finally. So picture Paul saying, there's something remaining for me to say. Then he goes on to say, rejoice in the Lord. Um, and to rejoice is really to be filled with joy. It can refer to feelings. It can result from specific situations. There are examples in the Bible. For, for example, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, when she heard and had been told... Um, was being visited by an angel said, um, she's told, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. So the occasion or the result or what was going to bring joy was the birth of John the Baptist. And in Luke nineteen six, Zacchaeus, I don't know if you remember that story from Sunday school, very, I mean, the song goes, he was a very little man, a very little man, was well, he? He climbed up into the tree because he wanted to see Jesus And Jesus saw him, invited him, come down. I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus came down from the tree rejoicing. He was going to receive Jesus Christ as his guest. Um, Paul doesn't just say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. For the believer, it is a constant state because, because of our relationship with Christ. So, for the believer being filled with joy or rejoicing results from our relationship with the Lord. Possibly like you, I find myself thinking, how can you say rejoice? When I'm dealing with mountain debt, illness, difficult relationships, both at home and at work, and so on. All things which are I mean, all things which are, which can indeed steal our joy. Those things can and do easily get anyone mournful, which is the opposite of rejoicing. But in this letter so far, remember, Paul has been praying f- with joy for the Philippians. Paul, who's been praying those prayers, chapter, I mean, chapter 1 and verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Earlier on, I think I preached on this section. He was talking about those who preached and were preaching to detract from what he was preaching. They were preaching as if they were, as though they were happy. Well, this guy is in prison, so let's, let's go ahead and cover ground where Paul has gone and, and do, cause some havoc. Paul is rejoicing though these guys are out there preaching in this manner, rejoicing that still Christ is preached. I got puzzled by that. I'm thinking, Paul, what's the matter with you? you be, is, I mean, it's prison doing things to your mind. You begin to just think funny or weird. But Paul is in prison, and he speaks quite a lot about his joy, his joy from his relationship with Christ. And if you already think that we cannot spontaneously rejoice in and of ourselves and we cannot rejoice in the face of troubles just like we all have in common, I agree with you. I agree with you. Because here is where the believer's relationship with Jesus is truly important. Here's where the believer's relationship with Jesus is truly important. Because he says, carrying on in verse one, if we turn back there, is reminding these guys, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. So it's no mistake that Paul is saying, Rejoice in the Lord again. He's talked about his joy in the face of adversity. He's talked about his joy at those who are preaching, if you like, perverted gospel, um, still from a, a, a place of joy, calm confidence in Jesus Christ. You may have seen, um, share something with you. You may have seen some of these many, many of these viral videos of children who can, recite and recall names of countries in the world and their capitals i don't know if you've seen those kind of things you know very clever kids and who can who can who can list names of places and things that can spell words that you never even heard of (laughs) they can do some serious multiplications and so on if you ask me i believe those kids were trained to be able to recall those things in such amazing ways Paul is choosing here to teach his spiritual children, the church in Philippi, to rejoice in the Lord by training them to recall their relationship with the Lord and to celebrate it. So, question. Who is Jesus Christ? I want you to think about it. Don't just watch me. Who is he? Who's Jesus to you? Is he just that Jewish guy from history? A teacher? A holy man like Eddie Murphy? Or is he Lord? Is he Lord that even the wind and the seas obey? And those guys who walk with him go, wow. What kind of guy is this? I mean, has God given such authority to man? Wow, even the winds and the seas obey him. You know, they, a, a town that's seen guys who were crazy. I mean, like, st- uh, what's that term? Is it stair crazy or really cr- completely loop, loopy? That people wouldn't even go by where these guys are supposed to be Dwelling. They find, they come and find the crazy person sat with their faculties complete next to Jesus. The evil spirits left them. Is that Lord? Is that, do you know who that person is? Do you know Jesus in that way? Do you know his power? Do you know his authority? Do you know or do you? Believe that he is able to stand in the presence of God for you. Speak for you, represent you. I'm not just talking, I'm actually asking us all this question because is he the one who is raised from the dead? Is that who Jesus is? And living right now in the presence of God. More importantly, then, what about a relationship with Jesus Christ? Going back to knowing who Jesus is, does everybody know who Theresa May is? Raise your hand up if you know. Do you know Theresa May? I think we all can say we know who she is, but do you know her? Does she like Tetley or PG tips? <laughs> does she play croquet? Does she have a good hand at poker? Does she get easily vexed or emotional? Do you know what she's inclined to? You know, does she like strict policing or do you know this person very well? Do you know Jesus Christ? You know him in in this way. So, question then. I think this is what Paul is trying to highlight here. This relationship with Jesus Christ, is it real? Is it personal? Is it valuable? Rejoice in the Lord. Have that relationship. Be confidently calm about the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. He's training his, his, his children to rejoice in the Lord. It's an important and valuable relationship that we each need to have with Jesus. Don't diss it for anything. So it's a it's a it's a relationship to to to, um, to treasure because indeed there we can have very calm and confident gladness and assurance. Hence, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And it's a relationship worth guarding. So, check this. Um, In Paul's day, this sets the background for why he's going into all of these things at this point in time. And in this letter. In Paul's day, we read in Acts chapter 15. If you can, please turn there. I encourage you to do so. But if you can't, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes and listen to this and note note it. This is where I wish this was working. Some men, Acts chapter 15 and verses one and two, this was on one of Paul's many journeys out, preaching the gospel, traveling. Acts 1 and two, if you can put it up on screen, I'd appreciate that, bless you. Some men came down from Judea. Paul was in Antioch, another part of the country. Um, some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers unless you are circumcised. Note who they were teaching now. They were teaching believers in Christ. These men came from Judea. The, The gospel's already been preached. These men supposedly would be believers also. They've come down from Judea and saying, unless you are circumcised, how according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Hello in Paul's day these guys I mean they're referred to as Judaizers now they were a fact of the time they Repeatedly dogged Paul's journeys and his walk and his work amongst churches. Paul's going around preaching a gospel of faith, trust, confident trust, this kind of relationship that we have, knowing Jesus Christ, knowing who he is, and trusting in him to be right with God. But here are guys saying, Yes, Paul said that, but you must also be circumcised according to the custom of Moses. Now, obviously, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. And then Paul and Barnabas and some some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Do we have questions in our time about salvation? Hello? If you've been in Christ a minute, there have been questions. There have been questions questions. There may be questions that don't even matter as far as salvation is concerned. But some will hold on to these questions too extreme. And you can see movements, just splinter groups and all kinds of things forming out of that. From a simple sincere trust, reliance, dependence on Jesus. It becomes a Jesus plus kind of gospel. What's it going to be? Paul is concerned about that when he's addressing, he's addressing this, these people. These were, they were believers who reckoned or counted on belief in Jesus Christ and as well as circumcision according to the custom of Moses to be saved. <clears throat> so, different kinds of things. I mean, there are movements where you've got to pray in a certain way or you, you, or you will or you'll not be taking your calling or salvation seriously or you've got to wear only white garments. And come into the holy place without your shoes on, because God will not hear you or listen to you otherwise i don 't know if you 've been there. What does it call for now to pray to be accepted by God, to give, to say, to be saved? What does it look like to let go of any traditions that we may have known as believers. Can I say this? Let me just digress if one minute, one minute. You see, for all of us gathered here, let me use myself as an example. My earliest recollections of of being in church, I remember, you know, going with my mom to church. I remember this place, this white garment place. Some of you from Nigeria will know what I'm talking about. Hello? Where are they? We were in this place, and listen, I remember going in white garment church. I remember going in some church where they don't believe in instrumental music. If you do that, you're not a believer. I remember being in some other church where if the church is not called by a certain name, like we here, we're not believers as far as they're concerned. You get me? If it's not called the church of whatever. But, and I say that because I, I, I raise that because I recognize that we may all here be dealing with or coming along with some kind of baggage like these guys who were saying, unless you baptize according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. This is important for us to bear in mind. And Paul is actually trying to give a warning. We have this manner of speech in Nigeria, right? If I called you, Bolaji, 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 how many times did I call your name? (laughs) In in other words, if I want to emphasize, want to tell you something important, I will either with a straight face or a serious face or some expression or some gesture like I just did now, introduce what I'm about to say, which is very important. And pause. doing similar thing here in verse two. Philippians chapter three in verse two. That's to draw your attention to something very important. Look out. Look out. Look out. Paul does that here. Look out, one, for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Is, is anybody there? Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. To save us some time, let me just say what these terms mean. So it's not beware of dogs, right? You might have, you might have <laughs> you, you might have experienced that in. In, 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 in a previous career as a postie, Pastor Rob. Dog, beware of dogs in the gate. No, that's not what we're talking about. All right? Dogs, in this sense, Paul is really speaking of these guys who've go, who are going around talking about people needing to be baptized according to the custom of Moses, as he's speaking of them as miscreants who are improperly handling the truths of the gospel. And in fact, returning to what they have turned away from or given up. They've given up the belief, they've given up the the trust in being circumcised to be saved. They've given that up, but they're now returning to it. Um, Just a bit of an alert. This might be a bit gory. Did you know something about dogs? that dogs, they've got a very, strong, um, sense, a very strong sense of smell, okay? So, dog gets sick. It's just had some really nice pedigree chums made of chicken, turkey breast, and whatever. And for some reason, they barfed it all up. But the dog goes back to that thing and, hmm, there's some chicken breast in there. <laughs> hmm, turkey. Wow, tuna! Wow, yum. <laughs> and slurps it all back up. Eats the thing back up. It's done a is done a sickie on the floor, and then goes back and cl- licks it clean. Because there's food in there still, as far as it can tell. <laughs> Paul's referring to these guys in this way. You've left what? You've you've. I mean, just as scripture says, it's, it's a proverbial case of a dog returning to its own vomit. He's referring to them in this way. And then, evil workers. Again, they're evil because of their misuse or abuse of the gospel. What they're going around teaching is not gospel. Mind you, these are believers. These people who have believed in Jesus Christ, but then they're holding on to Jesus Christ. Um, plus this s- circumcision according to the custom of Moses. So that's an abuse. It's a perversion of the gospel, okay? It's, and then it reminds um, me of the parable that Jesus gave of the wheat and tares in Matthew 13, where a man planted wheat and then his servants go after the things spring up and they find, boy, this wheat, but hey, there's also some, some weeds here growing. Man, wasn't it good seed you, you gave us to plant? Wasn't it wheat? And um, what does the Lord say? What does those servants' master say? He says to them in Matthew 13, 28, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? You can have a look at the parable explained when Jesus talks about it some more um, in Matthew 13 36 to 43 I'm I'm very conscious of time pardon me he talks about mutilators as well now these guys in their insistence on circumcising believers in Christ according to the custom of Moses these men were basically asking people to carry out a procedure that is no longer necessary Circumcision for for the Jew was a mark of, okay, I'm keeping the covenant of God according to the old covenant. God's given Moses this commandment. Every male must be circumcised on the eighth day and so on. But here they are now in a new covenant. A new covenant has already been established in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, people are saved. But guys are holding on to the older thing. So, Paul is saying, guard this testimony that you have. Guard the joy you have from a relationship in Christ. Guard it from these dogs, evildoers, and those who mutilate the flesh. Do we still have such as these in our day? I already talked about us all ordinarily, easily coming into church, coming into fellowship, coming into Christ with baggage from old religious traditions that we may have experienced or been a part of. Um, you may have come to know Jesus while in some present-day tradition that holds daily to some other need to make or keep you saved. Knock so many doors a week, or wash your hands and feet before you eat, or don't eat certain foods, or eat certain foods. Or wear only linen clothing. Don't mix your clothing together. (sighs) Don't cut your hair at all for life. And God will welcome you, receive you. Be baptized as a child. All kinds of things. But Paul says and warns, beware. Look out for these things. These kinds of things could actually steal and take away the joy that we have and and get from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So much for guarding a true testimony. Uh, But moving on, in verse 3, Paul says, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He was just talking about circumcision there, but now talks about circumcision again. What's he talking about? In circumcision, Jews of old were, as I said, expressing outwardly that they were taking part in a relationship with God through a covenant that God had set up. They would obey the law of God. In the law, you'd find things like the Ten Commandments. You'd find all other kinds of rights for cleanliness and so on. And they were identifying with that covenant. But (laughs) ask you something. In the same way, just like um, we have the opportunity to take part in things that show that we are part of the people of God. If, for example, we went ahead and did the circumcision thing, does that make us Jews if we just went ahead and did the circumcision? I toyed with the thought one time of, you know what? I, don't, I, I was trying to deal with deal with um, some thoughts and feelings I had towards people of another religious group. I wouldn't say which one, and I toyed with the thought of you know what, just to get to know what these people are really like. How about if I just go through the motions, you know, and slip in there and see what they really are like? I'd go through the motions, go through the, the, their prayer rituals go through and dress like them when it comes to time for prayer. I do the prayer thing so many times a day. You may have seen some reality TV programs like that, right? Hello? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> but I thought, if I just go through the motions, perhaps I would get to see what it is really like. But hold on. I'm just doing that just to go through the motions, Right? And that's something we could equally do here. That's something we could equally do as and make out like we are believers in Christ. We could quite easily just be here every Sunday, Tuesday, last two Saturdays of the month, whenever we get together, go through the motions, just pray. They said, let's pray. Okay, let's pray. I know the words to say and I'll say the words. It works. I'll pass as far as people can see. But where does it really matter? Paul says we are the circumcision who worship not by our effort but by the Spirit of God. We worship by the Spirit of God. It's not a matter of self-effort. It's not a matter of Coming in to do the thing like everybody does. I've been there before where we go to church, we have night vigils, as in go to church from ten o'clock in the night and pray through till five in the morning, and everybody's all over the place looking like, yeah, we're praying. <laughs> you know? I'm just mumbling stuff with my eyes shot, bump into somebody, boom, sorry. <laughs> I'm not praying. I'm just trying to do things in my strength. But those who worship by the Spirit of God, you know, they're energized, they're empowered by the Spirit of God. This all comes back to rejoicing in the Lord. Did the Lord talk about not leaving us alone? Did the Lord talk about sending the Holy Spirit to be with us? Who enables us to pray? Do we always know what to pray? Does he send the Holy Spirit to intercede for us and give us what to pray? So, consider this conversation Jesus had with this lady or woman in John 4.20. They're talking, he's preaching, and she's saying, oh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father we seek you such people to worship him. Key thing to note here. If we're going to be set apart and be part of God's people, um, it's important if God has not set you apart or he has set us apart and we go back to relying on religion to keep our testimony going, it would, just, it would be just an account of how much I'm counting on someone else's faith or doing religion in my own strength. You know, if I'm counting on mom's faith, grandma's faith, or just attending church and giving and doing things in my own strength, if God hasn't set me apart. So, at this point, the question becomes very crucial then. God is looking for those who worship by the Spirit of God. This question I found very daunting the first time I ever got asked it. Does heaven know you? Does God know you? Is your name written in heaven's records? How can we attest to that? What about if I can actually say, hey, you know what, I was a wretch, but Jesus found me. I thought I was wise and knew it all, but God showed me the end of my wisdom. And I met Christ. I was meant for dead, but God healed me. And in in this case, what we're doing then is really giving glory. In other words, bragging on Jesus Christ bragging on what Christ has done to bring us into fellowship with him and putting no confidence in the flesh. Putting no confidence in the flesh. And Paul gradually then makes reference in verses four to six on the things that he actually took account of or counted as valuable in terms of making him right with God. We've looked at the believer's joy and God in it. And we looked at the kind of things that we could easily count upon incorrectly to give us a right standing God. I'm going to quickly run through these. Paul talks about having confidence in the flesh. Look at verses four to six, Philippians 3, four to six. And the flesh here makes reference to how he lives his life or his earthly life. He has talked about um, remaining in the flesh already, but now points to particular aspects of his life that he could claim count for him in his walk as a believer. Remember, he's making an argument. This should help us understand um, why we would have to ask questions about what makes us right with God, whether we know God at all. What do you suppose matters to build a good relationship with God? What do you suppose counts? Do these things matter to God? If we use um, uh, Paul the apostle, which of these counts? Is it his heredity? Look at verse 4. Is it his heredity? He is an original Jew. He's not Gentile. He's not a Greek guy. This guy is from Israel. He's a Jew. He's a Jew originally. Just like we could say, or just like, we sometimes say, are you a Christian? And you get the answer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born into a Christian family. Are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my nan's a Christian, my dad's a Christian. Are you a Christian? I've heard he said that you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Are you a Christian? Each one of us must stand and give account of ourselves before God or was it for Paul the fact that he was of the tribe of Benjamin if you've read the Bible even in the Old Testament you'll find that Benjamin was one of those tribes that was actually loyal to um, the tribe that, from whom God chose to rule and to have the lead in Israel the tribe of Judah from that tribe the first king of Israel came King Saul. Would that count? As far as making Paul stand right before God is concerned? What about his education, his training as a, as a Jew? Um, this guy must have gotten to know Scripture from young, from, from, from childhood and so on. Maybe you grew up like that too. You went to Sunday school. After church on Sunday, went to Sunday school in the afternoon. I had experience like that you know and um i've met many like like that who profess that they do not know there is a god that is people who grew up in church but now as far as relationship with god is concerned they don't know there is a god in fact they think christians are arrogant when they say they are sure that god exists these are people who grew up in Sunday school. Does that make us right with God? What do you think? What about Paul's piety? He was a member of the sect of the Pharisees. This is like a group, an association, or you call it an association or a group of, of believers, Jews, who pride themselves on obeying the law accurately. Accurately and they're committed to doing so for life. I mean, I have friends who are committed to Catholic devote groups, as in devoted, they devoted their whole life to just serving. They're not gonna get married. They're not gonna do anything. Their life is a life of service, kind of like Mother Teresa. Would that make that person right with God? Does that count? And Paul, he wasn't just a Sunday Sunday guy. He was zealous too. He was zealous. He went chasing down people who converted to, who became Christians, who believed in Jesus Christ and brought them to Jerusalem to be be arrested, to be tried for believing in Jesus. How do you think all those things looked to God as far as Paul is concerned? How do you think those things looked to God? Well. (laughs) So, reflecting and bringing the principle back to us, what do you think? You attended a Christian school that was run by nuns. You attended mass or chapel regularly in school. Hmm? You may just pray before we had our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or maybe you were baptized by some very high and lofty church official, maybe the archbishop of wherever you wherever you come from, and <clears throat> you have your Bible memory certificates from nursery school in your room on the wall. How do you suppose those things make you or oh, I look before God? Regular morning devotions at home. Will these things get us into God's presence eternally? Will these things make us accepted before God? Well, so Paul has listed all these things. He's a persecutor of the church. His righteousness under the law. He was blameless. But come. Come to verse 7 with me now as we just Begin to bring this home. Do you see the first thing Paul says there in verse 7? But, but. Like someone who's been doing the accounting homework or doing the the sums wrong, Paul just stops and turns around. He's talked about things he counted upon or put confidence in or could have put confidence in before. His nobility, his heredity, his lineage, you know, his religious training. We all have had experiences like that. But Paul is now counting all these things as loss. He probably counted them as gain before, but he's counted them as loss. You may trust in your personal goodness. I don't swear, I don't cuss, I don't tell lies. Maybe a little white lie now and again. (laughs) But you may be gathering with us here every Sunday. You may have had some Christian upbringing and attended children's church and always been in church. These things are good, but let's gradually bring this into land. Only Jesus. A confident trust in Jesus right position with God and his death on the cross you know Jesus died as a sacrifice so that we all could have access to God if we had anything we were counting on before aside from trusting in Christ if we've added up anything that looks like good points I was always a good boy I never disobeyed my parents. Count those things as loss for the sake of Christ. Count those things as loss because only Jesus Christ and our trust if we're going to ever enter into God's presence has got to be like we go to a big gig at the O2 and We know the guy who's performing on center stage. We ain't got money to get a ticket. Tickets are all sold out, even if we had the money. And then we get there, (laughs) want to see the show. And the big guy at the gate goes like, yeah, what?" You're like, I know the guy who's performing. Just say Bertram. Seriously, <laughs> give you that look. But, only knowing Christ really gets us into the presence of God. It's not anything about us. Not anything we can boast of or brag of or anything we have in the past. So, Paul counts all those things he had as more, as loss, but Look at things Paul is now seeing as more valuable than those things that he put confidence in before. Whatever confidence you had before, whether you give a lot, attend church a lot. I'm repeating these things again, just like Paul. He says it's it's not tiresome for him to say them again. And it's safe for you. Look at what things he's counting as valuable instead. One, as we turn to verses uh, seven to nine, or the last five, last six verse, um, five verses. Knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. I asked a question earlier on: How many of us know Theresa May? Or who's going to be the next prime minister? Is it Boris, or is it the other guy? Everybody says Boris. (laughs) Well, knowing Christ, Paul says he counts everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Let me show you what this is worth. In John 17 verse 3, John chapter 17 and verse 3, Jesus is praying. There indeed is the Lord's prayer. He's praying, and in his prayer to God, in, in the third verse, he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do we know Jesus? Do we know Jesus? I'm, I'm encouraging, I'm, I'm, I'm comforted. I, I, I didn't make a note of the verse or... Or, or write it down here. But Jesus talks about anyone who obeys his commandments that he and the Father will take delight in him and will come and make their dwelling with him or her. Do you want to know God? you want to know Jesus Christ? Yeah, it's worth. Look at it. Look at what it's worth. It's worth eternal life. This is eternal life, that they know you. And in Jeremiah 9:23 and 24, just to, just to emphasize this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. We may boast in the fact that we are intellectually capable. We're like that when it comes to, to stuff that is challenging up here. Let not the mighty man boast in his might be strong and buff, fit, or rich. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this: that what Jeremiah nine twenty three and twenty four, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. And here's the good news. God extends his, God shows his righteousness to all of us. We'll see in a minute. I believe I I put that down. He extends his righteousness to us in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about dropping those things he put confidence in and talking about knowing his position in Christ. Yes, Um, in, in going back to, I beg your pardon, going back to Philippians chapter three, he says, for the was of knowing Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord. He takes possession and ownership of the Lord. How can you call him your Lord? There are some faiths where you cannot call God your father, but yet they worship God so fervently so zealously, with so much passion, you make mention of this God's name, you could have your head chopped off. But yet there is no such relationship. Father, son, how dare you? But know your position in Christ. He says Christ is his Lord. Um, <clears throat> and look at how This is just, you know, the scripture is just flavored with this. You know, Jude greets the church in Jude chapter 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. God loves you. God's actually rooting for you and keeping you. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it doesn't matter how wise, how rich, how well off, how much pedigree you got, how well or blamelessly you observed the the, the commandments before, that's not what God's looking at. He's not looking at that at all. In fact, God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing those that are. If we had any confidence in anything else, how well we kept ourselves. You may have been chaste, not promiscuous before you became a Christian. <laughs> no brownie points. That, that's not what makes a difference. But God chose those things that are not so that no human being might be in the presence of God and because of him because of God you who have put your trust in in Christ you're in Christ Jesus Christ became for us wisdom from God he became for us righteousness he became sanctification in other words we became special set apart for God because of Jesus Christ You know where Jesus is right now? Hello? Right in heaven, in the presence of God. You know where God sees us? Hello? You know where God sees us? Right there in his presence, where Jesus is. And he also became for us redemption. So that as it's written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. What about the righteousness that comes from God? Paul is saying he's not looking for a righteousness that uh, he doesn't want to go about looking for a righteousness that is his own, but one that comes oh, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Um, and you know what God has done? He's made this apparent, he's made this clear for everyone. Where you hear the gospel preached, where you hear the good news preached, you don't hear people talking about cleaning yourself up first before you come to God so that God can accept you. Instead, we hear about the gospel of grace, where God, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for all who believe, Are brought into God's presence because all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. And here's the good news all are justified, all are made right with God by His grace. And here's the good thing, it's even sweeter. God does this as a gift. You give gifts to people, you don't expect them to pay for it. You give gifts because you want to give a gift. Receive the free gift of God because God has put Jesus forward to take away sin by his blood. It's left for us to receive it. It's left for us to receive it because God has decided to look over sin and things that barred us from him in the past. Okay. Will this endure at all? Is this better? Is this this enduring? Paul is doing this because he wants to know Christ. He wants to know the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings because like him, and becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, he may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know what? Having fellowship with Jesus Christ Jesus doesn't promise any one of us a trouble-free life. In fact, Scripture promises a trouble-filled life for anyone who will live a godly life in this world. But rather than be mournful, you know what we can rejoice in? The opportunity to know that God does answer prayers. I've been through some situations, I stand here, I'm thinking about them, and I I think, wow, how did we get through that? Situations that would have meant, I'm not standing here today. How did we get through that? I know that God does answer prayers. I know that God does bring deliverance where you least expect it from. What opportunity to grow in hope and to hold on to the promises of God. What about experiencing the power to resist temptation? Who is not tempted here? Let me see your hands up. Not in our own strength, but in the strength that God provides. The, The power to overcome sinful habits. And talk about the glory that is to come, another reason to exchange those things. Paul looks forward to the glory to come in the resurrected bodies. (laughs) As you get older, (laughs) and everyone's just gotten a second or so older, (laughs) our bodies play up. They get sick. They get weary. They get worn down. But you know what? We're all going to have resurrection bodies when Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. We will share in these things, and we look forward to. It's worth holding on to that, and having such a testimony, a valuable testimony, and rejoice in the Lord, who makes that testimony possible, even by all of these things. So, indeed, <clears throat> what makes for a valuable test, Christian testimony? Holding on to our joy in Christ, knowing our position in Christ and sharing in fellowship with him even as he demonstrates and shows his power in our lives and through our lives and indeed looking for the glory that is to come. All these things come from having a sound, a solid relationship with God. If you're here today and a relationship with God is not something that you have, don't know who Jesus is, want to Come into relationship with him. Please, let's make a point of talking about it just before we leave here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you for this account. Thank you for this testimony. Thank you for this encouragement and this charge even to walk with you, to rejoice in the Lord, To guard against even those things that come to steal our joy from fellowship with you. Lord, indeed, we're all here. We may have trusted in things that add no value as far as standing with you is concerned. But Lord, even for all the things that you encourage us and share and invite us to take part in today. Getting to know you. Getting to have fellowship with you. Again, looking for the glory that is to come, Lord. Even for all of these things we pray, teach us, bring us near to you, help us to know who we are in you. We thank you, Lord. And I pray indeed for anyone who hears this word today that doesn't know you. Lord, let your word be known, As even as you make yourself known to them. Draw them close to you to see that you are nearby even looking for a heart that is open to you today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.